2: Provided by VenZound.com. Welcome, everyone, to today's Earth Energy Forecast Show on this Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. Thank you for joining us today, or if you're listening later to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. We had a show about it last month, and today we're going to dive even deeper into the topic of water and how it affects our health and our enlightenment. I have two guests that also love water, and one has written a book about it. Dr. Carly Newday uses her passion of bringing science and spirituality to improve human health and wellness. She has been researching water for over a decade, studying and creating the most effective methods of raising water's structure, to improve bioavailability and life promoting properties for both individual and agricultural applications. She studies, excuse me, she provides consultations, workshops and seminars about water EMF sensitivity and the science of health and consciousness. She's the author of Water Codes: The Science of Health, Consciousness and Enlightenment. Senior Research Director at Water Inc and a co-utility patent holder for water resonant therapeutic tools. She holds a Ph.D. in religious theology, a doctor of divinity, and baccalaureate studies in alternative medicine and therapies. Her website is watercodes.com. You can also order her book on Amazon, and I have that link on the show page. My second guest, Nevin Eckert, has been reading. Holistic health, water quality, and emerging water technologies for twenty-three years. He has discovered a custom drinking water solution configured with a state-of-the-art components to purify and transform any water from well water to the nastiest city water. True Spring Water Quality Solutions independently represents an array of cutting edge water technologies nevin maintains a network of working relationships with water researchers inventors and authors worldwide over the years he has presented at numerous events and conferences his websites are truestspring.com and nature n-a-t-u-r by b-y Nevin.com. i'm gonna open up the show to dr Carly and welcome to the show
1: Carly. Thank you Joan it's a pleasure to be here.
2: Let's start with you because your book is so comprehensive I really enjoyed reading it and anybody that wants to know anything about water or loves water I think should read this book and uh, I have so many questions and I know the readers are going to learn so much today from it. So Of course, the first thing I would like to know, and I'm sure a lot of other people would like to know, Carly, is how did you get started with working with water?
1: Oh, you know, it was um, just one of those things where the natural flow of my life sort of directed me that way. Um, I had uh, been a swimmer most of my life, spent uh, many, many hours growing up in the water. It was always a a love of mine. Uh, But then when I got older, I found myself... Uh, after carbon monoxide poisoning, being very uh, sensitive to electromagnetic fields. So I was going through some EMS sensitivity issues um, long after my blood toxicity had returned to normal, but my symptoms hadn't gone away. And so it was, you know, through through that route and trying to find things that would help that I came back to water and um, in, in how that affects our, our health and our well-being. And turned my life around, uh, dealt with my symptoms, and uh, found things that would bring my body back into balance and to alignment, and water was at the core piece of that. So it spurred me on to to research in that direction again, and then with my background in religious theology, I'm always uh, blending the worlds of science and spirituality, and and I found water to be uh, that that bridge between those two worlds. Mm -hmm,
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I work with science and spirituality with my books too and uh, and I understand um when you have that passion and and how easy it is to bridge the two because they do fit together. So Absolutely. how did water help you through this? Was it was it just um biochemically? Was it spiritually? How, how did water help you?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it was both of those, actually. So at first when I was combating EMF sensitivity and I was looking for tools that could help me, I had gone through uh, schooling in alternative medicine with a focus in botanicals. I had this fairly large toolbox of uh, natural methods to deal with, you know, chronic issues. And none of those were helping So here I was with this big toolbox, and nothing was able to to help. So I started looking at alternatives. Um, And I went through, you know, some things off of eBay and some, you know, fairly large investments for pieces uh, that, you know, the BioShields and the Q-Links and that kind of thing. Um, I did end up finding some success. Uh, limited success with with some of those uh, tools and so I wanted to know why what was it uh, in those tools specifically that were able to uh, reduce some of the symptoms a little bit so through that process I kind of encountered the relationship between crystalline structures and water and then you know go further into the science of of how water maintains our health and how really so much of our health comes down to cellular hydration um, so you know getting into the science of why i was experiencing these kinds of problems in the first place how carbon monoxide affects the myelin sheaths in our nervous system and then how to best support that that nervous system well in the body how how best to support our health and wellness really comes first through water we are primarily made of water. We're really more water beings than human beings. So 99 plus percent of our molecules by count are water. As Saul Williams has this beautiful quote, uh, we stand as the equivalent of three buckets of water and a handful of minerals. And he's mm-hmm. really right. So, mm-hmm. so that, that became the avenue for exploring how to improve my health and how to help others access that as well.
2: It's beautiful. So many stories start very similarly, that, you know, there's there's a crisis that happens, and it takes us into this other area that maybe we didn't even think that we would go in, and then it becomes our passion. Absolutely. And I can tell that you're very passionate about this. So you talk yeah. a lot about structured water, and I'd like my listeners to know just what structured water is.
1: Sure. Well, so, so water itself really comes in two forms. So there is, uh, in science, what we call structured water and then what we call bulk water. Bulk water is the kind of water that we're taught about in school from a very young age. It's sort of this random arrangement of hydrogen and oxygen, two hydrogen per one oxygen that are floating around in this cup. And that's how we're taught as kids in school what, what water is made of. Well, in nature, there's actually very little bulk water in nature. What you find primarily in nature is water that has its hydrogen and oxygen arranged in these kinds of repeating patterns. Some water sources will have very complex patterns and some will have less complex patterns. So, So that would be structured water, is water that has its hydrogen and oxygen arranged in these patterns, and that exists on a spectrum. Uh, a spectrum of, of complexity, some patterns being being very intricate and involved and and having a, a, a very detailed crystalline structures and and some that are are less complicated. That is structured water. So water itself, that kind of water that we find in nature, which is really the kind of water that that life requires. so life life does not require, Bulk water, in fact, bulk water um, fails to support our necessary systems. What life requires is structured water. So, the the way that hydrogen and oxygen are stacked and arranged themselves are what give, for example our cells the cellular integrity that it requires. It's what gives our DNA the cellular integrity or the structural integrity, rather, that it requires to not fall apart and and to hold together in its proper form. Uh, That structure is what allows water to process information and carry energy Mm -hmm. uh, and Mm -hmm. and maintain the vitality of, of our many systems. So... We have these two types of water, bulk water and structured water. They may look the same, but they're really two completely different substances with different properties and and different actions. So very similar to how uh, diamond and graphite are both made out of carbon, but their structure is completely different. So graphite is very soft, it's layered in sheets. It breaks very easily, makes it perfect for pencils. But then of course, diamond made out of the same substance is arranged differently. It has a crystalline structure that is interconnected and and gives it this uh, integrity that makes it the hardest substance on Earth. So that's the key piece between structured water and what we want to call tap water, regular water, bulk water. Structured water is the living water that that supports all of life's many complex systems. Um, Bulk water is not.
2: Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that the structure or the form of this water holds information. So, um, and that's I said in my book that it's the form that informs. And I know you talk about some sacred geometry in your book too. So, and you say that water is a malleable computer. So, how does it hold this information, and how does it impart it, say, to the cell?
1: Sure, absolutely. It's a wonderful question. So again, if we go back and just look at the physics of that structured water, we, we look at it as that liquid crystal. Crystal. So liquid crystals, like the, LCDs, uh, like the LCD screen that you have, the liquid crystal displays, these are um, structures that are organized and, and have patterns in the way their molecules are arranged. That's what makes them crystalline but they are liquid, so they're fluid and flexible, and they're capable of change. In your computer screen, that change allows for the different colors and, and shapes to relate to you uh, the information on the screen in a way that your mind and, and brain can interpret and understand. In in solid-state crystals, that structure is what allows for the changes in properties. So the structure of ruby is what allows it to cohere light. The way that the molecules are arranged affects the way light is transmitted, so that when you have a properly cut ruby, it will cohere light into a laser. Uh, same thing with, say, quartz crystals or tourmaline crystals that are used for uh, pressure gauges in submarines, quartz crystals that are used for watches or radios. and um, there are also crystals that are used for storage drives. We have quartz crystals used for storage drives. We have different crystals that can, can actually be stored with holographic information. And in fact, we, we have very small crystals that can hold massive amounts of information because every time there's an intersection or a point at which these molecules uh, arrange themselves, these, these vertexes and angles, information mm-hmm. is stored there.
2: So mm-hmm.
1: similar to the way that the quartz hard drives or these uh, the other crystals that are used for information storage, our water can do that same thing. So when we look at where consciousness is stored in the body, it's not localized to one area of the brain. We know that. And right. my argument would be that it's non-local and that it's actually mm-hmm. encoded into the, the structure of your water.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I agree with you. So, if water, if structured water holds information, what happens then in the body if the structure breaks down?
1: Right. Well, that's where pathology begins. So, really, we can trace the root of every disease and, and chronic pathology to a breakdown in the structure of the water. So, and And this is something that's accepted in certain areas of science. It's not necessarily some some fringe notion. We have um, Nature, the most prestigious, excuse me, the the most prestigious scientific journal in the world, uh, certainly in North America, is uh, the the Philip Ball is a 20-year editor of the biochemical um, uh, division of Nature, and he's got some, some fabulous quotes about how you know that breakdown is where we find things like cancer beginning. When that cellular structure, when the structure of the water inside of our cells begins to break down and become more like bulk water, that's when we have pathology of chronic disease like cancer and diabetes. So the integrity of the, the structure of our water is critically important to all of our systems uh, running optimally. It is, it is the key to health and wellness. And when we experience a decline in our health or a decline in our wellness, that is actually where it starts. The physical mechanisms of the breakdown in our structure is what triggers the cascade and the domino effect of our physical systems becoming uh, affected and experiencing some kind of pathology or, or disease. So if that happens, how do we restructure our water, or can we? Well, that's a wonderful question. So water is incredibly responsive. You know, we look at the mind-body-spirit connection. Water is that interlinking force between each one of those things. It's, it's the bridge that connects each one of these pieces. So it is responsive to consciousness. It is responsive to uh, positive thinking or negative thinking. Uh, it is responsive to the, the choices that we make in our life, the things that we take into our body. So what, what I would suggest, if someone says, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to improve my health and wellness. I want to affect the structure of my water to uh, increase its vitality and, and thus increase my own vitality the first thing that they would want to look at is, one, reducing toxin input. So we are bombarded with toxicity. It's very systemic from our food, our air, and our water. And so reducing our exposure to that is, number one, the first thing that's going to help our bodies because our body has to work very hard and lose a considerable amount of water trying to detox ourselves on a a regular basis. And then the water that we drink, our drinking water is incredibly contaminated. We are in a crisis uh, nationally and, and globally. Um, but globally, even if we're yes. just talking nationally, absolutely. You know, our infrastructure is failing. Our um, water safety acts are, are uh, uh, insufficient to combat the plethora of toxins and chemicals that are found in our water today. So first and foremost is reduce that toxin input and get really good drinking water. I believe that most people will end up spending their entire life in America, which, you know, we're supposed to be this very developed nation. I think most people will go their entire life without ever drinking a cup of clean water, which Mm. is very sad given it is our primary basic need.
2: Yeah, it brings to mind um, the water that uh, is the result of fracking.
1: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's unconscionable that we still have people that have such polluted water from fracking. So this water is going through the natural, I mean, through stone and, and all, but they're using chemicals aren't they when they're doing the fracking and that gets into the water.
1: Absolutely. Yes, they're using chemicals and it's it's not just the fracking, right? So we've got uh, a number of chemicals and toxins that are in our water system that aren't even regulated. So there's there's hundreds of chemicals found in your average water supply throughout the nation that are not even regulated. They don't want to test for them because then they would have to get rid of them. Um, uh-huh. We have uh, the PFOAs and the forever chemicals um, that have systemically polluted our, all of our waterways um, and, and can be found in the blood of virtually every American citizen uh, because they are forever chemicals and they don't break down. They bind to the proteins in our blood and we're drinking them through our water there are volatile organic compounds. There are industrial uh, agents and manufacturing agents. There are the disinfecting agents and the disinfecting byproducts from the chloramines and the um, uh, halacetic acids that are put into our water um, intentionally. So there's, there's just such this A plethora of toxins our our water has really become sort of a a cancer causing soup it really is just a a, a liquid carcinogen unfortunately is is the point that we have come with most of our tap water
2: that really is sad so is there anything we can do about it at, at a larger level
1: at a at a larger level you know i think really what we're up against is a lot of misinformation and a lack of education. So, you know, people will pour a cup out of their tap and it looks clear, it looks, it looks like water. So, you know, the, the critical analysis tends to stop there. Um, unfortunately, that, that doesn't serve us. So I really do mm-hmm. think it's a matter of education it's a matter mm-hmm. of uh, advocacy. There needs to be a push and a movement towards uh, reducing the chemical exposure, requiring our municipalities to, to engage in uh, effective treatment management uh, for, for chemicals in, in the water. Um, and that is such a large-scale problem that at this point what people can do is is really do their best to provide themselves the best kind of water they can at home. You know, stay away from bottled water. Uh, Bottled water is an unregulated industry and it is horrific for the environment and it's no better than what's in the tap. In fact, most bottled waters are really just tap water in a plastic container. So, something to be aware of. I think there's absolutely, absolutely, the majority of bottled waters, at least Sixty to seventy percent, I believe, are municipal water that is bottled. So all of your Dasani's, I think, quite a bit mm-hmm. of the Aquafina's. Mm-hmm. Those Wapina. are those are just, yeah.
2: yeah yeah right.
1: Those are tap. Water. Those are just tap water. What about yeah. Poland Spring or um,
2: you know Arrowhead or something that says it comes from a spring? It's spring water. Is that safe? Uh,
1: you know, no. So no matter where it's originating from, it's sitting in plastic. So right off the bat, we've got uh, leachings and, and BPA issues to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. There has been,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, reports made to Congress about the um, the uh, unsafe levels of plastic contamination from the plastic uh, water bottles and caps. Um, but then there's also issues like I, I believe there's a current. Um, legal battle going on with Poland springs is being sued because it's not spring water it's groundwater being marketed as, as spring water so um and that groundwater we we don't know the condition of that groundwater whether right it's, right right so and given that the majority in fact all i'll say all all of our groundwaters have been contaminated to a significant degree it is mm-hmm. not safe so it's an unregulated mm-hmm. industry and, and that becomes very dangerous
2: So I would venture to guess that there are very few places on Earth right now where the water is pure and safe to drink.
1: Very, very, very few.
2: So what do we do?
1: Well, we equip ourselves with tools and uh, filtration and purification systems that are supremely effective so unfortunately, the level of contamination is so great, and our contaminants are such that uh, some of them are extremely small molecules. The pharmaceuticals, for example, the fluorides, for example, the PFOAs, these are small molecules that are hard to filter out. They're not, they're not the large molecules uh, of, right. of lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your Brita pitcher is not going to help you. The the pure water filter that you stick on your faucet head is not going to help you. What's really required is a laboratory grade or hospital grade purification system, and that purification system ends up removing all of the impurities that are present in the water, but it also strips it of its mineral content. Which is supremely important Water needs to be uh, loaded with mineral content In nature, that's how water is It runs through the streams It comes up through the ground It filters itself through a lot of minerals And it becomes very mineralized So you need to have water that's first put through a purification system a, A very, very effective purification system And then you need to have it remineralized after those two steps then we can talk about structure but really Joan the contamination has become so great uh, that that is the first issue that that people really need to deal with uh, when they're looking at providing themselves and their families with with quality drinking water
2: so I have a question about doing this large-scale for example um, where I live in this area, a lot of the drinking water comes from one of the Finger Lakes. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that you could put the filtration system as this gets fed through um, the rest of the the water system?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I do believe that these uh, systems can be scaled up for large-scale use. Um, you know, what we're working with is not so complicated that it cannot be uh, engineered for, for large-scale application. It's just a matter of municipalities uh, putting in the investment to do so. And really, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of politics involved. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there
1: was not all of the politics involved, it would be very, I think, a uh, very easy for them to understand, look, we're going to, um, you know, put this investment in for quality and effective purification that is going to serve our community as a whole. We're going to reduce our medical costs. We're going to
2: reduce uh,
1: the amount of of sick days and illnesses. We're going to reduce all of these costs that are associated uh, would be significantly reduced by providing People with clean and, and pure water, but this is, again, just such a national scale and, and global. Uh-huh. It is a global uh-huh. issue, but particularly nationally, you know, our infrastructure is failing rapidly, and it's not just Flint, Michigan. We've got lead coming out of uh, San Francisco schools. We've got um, arsenic and, and lead coming out of Oregon and Washington. In fact, a lot of our schools are dealing with Uh, increased lead from not just poor piping but also from old fittings and so we've got people trucking in bottled water to many many places and sites and schools um, when really what we should be doing is is investing in a long-term solution Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. it seems to me we need an overall change in consciousness here to think differently about things and speaking of consciousness you also like in water to to um, carrying consciousness. Uh, yeah, saying that water and liquid crystal systems are similar to human consciousness.
1: Can right. you Talk well, more I about that. Think, yeah, yeah. I I think that uh, I find, and my research has led me this direction, is that water is really the mechanism for consciousness. So if we want to talk about how consciousness works, or what uh, qualities uh, is it that, that allows something to be endowed with, with some sort of consciousness? Uh, it, is, it is water that is the means to do that. Um, consciousness is, is not something dependent on, say, um, needing to have a human brain system or, or even a, a mammalian brain system, right? We, we have many experiments have been done over the course of, of decades that show consciousness from plants, and we want to say, well, that can't work because they don't have a brain and nervous system. What they do have, though, is high water content, and that water stores the information, it stores memory, it computes information, and energy travels through these structures, and, and that produces a result. So, For example, uh, when we have a thought, when a a person in a human body has a thought, that thought doesn't start in the brain and then cascade to other places. That thought happens all at once. So all at once there is this spark in our nervous system, in our lymphatic system, in our brain, in our body, in our heart. Everywhere at once in our body these changes occur uh, in, in reaction to us having a thought. So that thought originates from energy traveling through the water structure. That structure in our water affects all of our systems all at the same time because it is really this, this complex, interconnected network of snowflakes. And That's one way people can think of it, where you know we've got that crystalline structure, but it is, it is a complex network, much like a computer system, much like a you know, malleable, the most advanced computer on the planet is, it would be our bodies that is processing many, 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 many things all at once, all the time. Our processing speeds, our memory speeds, these things are, are very advanced and complex interconnected systems. And really at the heart of that is the water. That is what allows these systems to work and to function, and that's where our consciousness originates from. So I, I really do find that water is the mechanism of consciousness. It, it's what allows consciousness to experience itself. So
2: why then can't we restructure our own water with our thoughts and cure illness and stop aging, et cetera?
1: Sure. Well, you know, we can to a degree. We have the biology of belief that is extremely effective, the problem that happens when people try to invoke positive thinking as a way to change their health or dramatically, you know, turn around a, a course of pathology. The problem that occurs is that most of the time our positive thinking is like this thin blanket over a sea of negative thought. So in the forefront of our consciousness might be positive thinking. I am well, I am healthy, I am, you know, a uh, progressing on this this path of wellness. But underneath that we have this huge space of subconscious thought, of subconscious conditioned belief systems that we are fighting against. So subconsciously your body may not believe you or subconsciously your body might might have parts of itself that says, Well okay, but what about tomorrow, or what about yesterday, or what if this, or, you know, I was taught as a child that this can't be true. So, we're fighting a lot of conditioned beliefs. I think if those conditioned beliefs were not there, you know, our placebo effect, that biology of belief is about a, as a effective, I think it's about 30%, which is, you know, the effectiveness of our pain medication, it's the effectiveness of our, of our antidepressant medications, our right up there about 30 percent with that placebo effect i think what we're fighting against when we look at using positive thinking to change the the structure of our water is those conditioned beliefs or those uh integrated and implanted uh structures and experiences over time that interfere with our just our our top level conscious thoughts
2: so we have our own work to do before we can just change it with our thoughts. Our own Absolutely. inner work. I
1: think yeah. we've got a long yeah. way to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you talk about in your book using structured water and agriculture. So the water that falls from the sky is polluted, and that's why you need to use structured water in agriculture. And how do you um, –
1: keep the water separate sure well it's not just the water that falls from the sky right so yes the water that falls from the sky is is polluted it's catching we've got you know acid rains we've got pollutants in our atmosphere um smog you know you go down to to say sacramento near where i live and you can see you can see the smog layer that sits above the city when you come Mm -hmm. down from the foothills Mm -hmm. So when it rains, you know, the water is picking up all of those things and it's bringing it down with it. It's also encountering a a certain level of toxicity in the ground um, from, you know, whether it's from uh, pollutants that are left there over time, you know, those those sort of uh, sources. So in agriculture, though, you know, we talk about how, living things require structured water. It supports cellular growth. It's a cellular hydration really lies at the heart of a physical function and form and, and optimal um, vitality. And that is not just for people. That is across the board. So we look at plants. We look at fruiting plants and, and uh, you know, plants that, that yield. Uh, these are, are life forms that also require structured water, so when you feed a plant structured water, it is more bioavailable, it encourages the microbiome of the soil to a greater degree, and it stimulates a higher level of growth and vitality and yield. So you do end up with stronger plants, you end up with a higher yields. you end up with uh, fruits and vegetables that have higher nutrient contents and antioxidant ratios. Um, All of these things occur simply because you have now provided that plant with what it really requires for optimal growth.
2: And when we eat that plant, it's much better for us, too. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, and again, we're talking about higher nutrient Mm content. So Mm -hmm. pound for pound, that strawberry that was grown and, and less fertilizer reduction or less fertilizer needs, rather. So you end up, you know, if you're comparing a field treated with structured water versus a field treated with, with you know, bulk or, or tap water, hose water, um, you're going to find that structured water allowed you to grow more with less. So less water needs, lower evaporation rates, uh, more drought-tolerant plants, higher nutrients, higher yield... Uh, All of these things occur, greater resistance to pests and disease, so that translates to uh, lower pesticide needs, lower herbicide needs. Um, You're really providing a a healthy environment for these things to grow, which reduces your need for these additional chemicals that are are used pretty regularly in, in our agriculture.
2: Well, that sounds very critical at this time of, you know, climate change. I I, I use climate change in quotes because it's really a cyclical cycle we're going through. Um, And, yes, we are affecting the weather here too. But uh, as we go through these cycles and things get more uh, catastrophic in a way, uh, we we need to be able to produce – Food that is nutritious That is nutrient dense And uh, to, c- to cut back On all of the toxins And uh, herb- herbicides and- Absolutely
1: So it, Absolutely.
2: Makes, it makes so much sense To do this Once again I think it's just changing the thought Like okay we really have to be More proactive instead of Reactive In this society as, as It seems like we have been Absolutely. I have to ask you this question um, because I've heard so many theories about why the pyramid at Giza, why those three pyramids were built. And you talk about in your book that they were built to structure water and pump it to areas for access in agriculture and to use the energy generated by the hydraulic system to generate pulse um, electromagnetic energy this extremely yeah, yeah, low electromagnetic elect- frequencies yes
1: that's yes. right yeah and so you know a lot of that is is research that i came across while i was doing research for the book so um there are some individuals who have gone into that at great length uh, developing models of the pyramids associating um the landscape uh, with what it would have been like during their use. And, you know, the Nile was much much closer than where would the water have been, where would things have been flowing. Um, so, you know, that research is, is not mine. I, I simply shared it and, and sourced it in the book. Uh, but I do find that it is spot on. Um, I, I find absolutely that it is very likely, uh, it's more likely than not. It has been the uh, theory that seems to hold more water, pardon my pun, um, than any others. <laughs> is that uh, um, the way the, the pyramids are set up and their layout and, and structure and design uh, appears to have been used in just that way, where water was pulled in from the Nile, it was uh, uh, vortexed and, and tunneled in the chambers underneath the pyramid, um, and, and then it was directed out for agricultural use. And the pyramid itself would have uh, created these resonant fields for that energy, and it generated E.L.F.s which canopied out over the surrounding area, and um, and supported that uh, thriving, flourishing space.
2: Quite interesting.
1: Very, very interesting.
2: That was the first time I've heard that that theory of it, so I I had to ask you about that. <laughs>
1: Oh, it is so, fascinating! It's so fascinating, and I, I came across something very similar with the Nazca lines, where, you know, we see that people throughout antiquity have had different practices um, that are that are really at the heart of their culture, to use water, improve water, or or uh, to allow for the differences in in water, and um, to support their their culture and. And their uh, village or tribe,
2: well, it's just it's just amazing, and I really do wish that um, if you want to know more about water, which you should, because we are water beings, and water is ubiquitous. It's everywhere, it's in black holes, it's everywhere. It's there because water carries information. Like I said, it's the form that informs. and without water i I say in my book. That water is the medium through which the language of light is written, because light carries information too, and water is the thing that you know oh, imparts within Dad. it. Yeah, yeah. So I do love water. That's <laughs> I I do love water. Thank you so much, Carly. I'm going to bring Nevin on now, and um, let's get him on. Hello, Nevin. Hi, Joan thanks for being so patient. That was wonderful from Carly Now it just leads so beautifully into what you've done because you know I know that you love water because you just said that you came home and you <laughs> went into the, the, the hot springs and i mean you just you just live water and you've developed a system on filtering this water. And what Carly was saying, we, we need to remove all these contaminants and get it back to its natural state. And you have a way of doing that?
0: I do. I do. It's uh, it's not so much that I've developed this system. As it's more that I've been researching water technologies for so long and working inside the water technology industry for so long that and I've been on a quest basically to find the finest equipment available in the world. So, um, uh, you know, I, I want to lend credit where credit is due. It's, it's the inventors and manufacturers of the equipment that I, that I work with that are, that really deserve the credit. Um, it's just been more of me having an overview technologically of what's available and putting, the components together to create the finest drinking water system in the world.
2: Hmm. So, what sparked your passion for water?
0: Oh my goodness, Joan! <laughs> I'll have to uh, make a short uh, story out of a very <laughs> we'll have, to have, long have another one. hour show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another hour show exactly. Um, you know, uh, there's a few things that influenced me. Um first, you know, being raised in the southern Sierra, uh in the foothills of the Sehoya, Kings Canyon, uh National Forest and National Park, I was immersed in nature. And um so I think mm-hmm. just um uh, you know, by osmosis and you know, entrainment, <laughs> yeah. um I you know, I got a lot of information and um, and just communing with nature a lot. You know, started backpacking as a child. I was a very avid fisherman, fisher boy. Um, You know, all my time as a child was spent, you know, at the bass ponds or on the river or up at Alpine Lakes. You know, I I was just, um, again, immersed in nature. And um, so kind of the first piece really was more um, as an environmentalist that's what fueled a lot of my um wanting to understand our natural world on a very primordial a very primordial level trying to understand mother earth and what's what's where she came from and what humanity has done to her and that whole process of 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 the degradation to our natural world um so that was that was a big piece the, the second part was um, you know my quest for health and you know as a young man you know never always intuitively questioning the idea that oh you know people get diseases and and they die and they become sickly and all that sort of stuff the whole conventional health uh, world never made sense to me it, it, it As a child and as a young man, I was, I just refused to buy into, um, what is taught to us in schools, what the doctors tell us, all that stuff just, just didn't make sense to me. And intuitively I felt that we inherently had a vastly greater potential of health and vitality and longevity than what's being said to us. So, um... Yeah, yeah. My my first um, significant love of my life. She uh, had put herself through UC Berkeley and was uh, very, very chronically ill when we came together. And um, we moved to Hawaii together to be in a cleaner environment and basically went on a quest to through alternative all types of alternative health uh, to heal her. And so that kind of gave me the bug to, to really research and discover um, alternative health the whole alternative health uh, world and, and then I came down with my own kind of healing crisis but um, it was basically a, a dimensional experience in the water town of Calistoga, California wow. that led me led me to Victor Schauberger and Victor Schauberger uh, lived from 1885 to 1958 he was of Bavarian ancestry and uh, was born and raised in upper Austria and he was known as the water wizard and uh, he came from an ancient line of forest custodians so for hundreds of years before him his family were forest wardens or forest caretakers and uh, Victor came of age at the turn of the century and he had a choice of either following his mother's advice or following his father's advice his father wanted him like his older brothers to go to modern forestry school and he witnessed the changes in his brothers um, and he didn't like that (laughs) what had happened to them by going to this modern forestry school so he chose to take his mother's advice just like his ancestors and just go into the forest and uh, be taught by mother nature and when he did that um, he he was put in charge of a huge track of upper Austria this is probably about 1903 and uh, this huge track of Private forests. There's places where no human had even walked or seen these places, and um, he started having uh, dimensional experiences with nature. Uh, one of which was um, sitting by an alpine lake one day, and there was a, a rumbling in the earth and a little bit of an earthquake, and then all of a sudden, this enormous, you know. 30-meter water spout shot up out of the center of the lake, and then that water spout collapsed back down, and the whole lake started churning in this huge vortex, and it got so strong that it drew all the logs that were laying on the bottom of the lake up to the surface, and dance them around and suck them back down to the bottom of the lake so violently it ripped the bark off of them. So it was experiences like that and an experience of watching a trout go up you know, uh, a 20-meter waterfall. And Victor, I don't know if, uh, if folks have heard this phrase, but birds don't fly, they're flown, and fish don't swim, they're swum so that in implies that there's a subtle energetic symbiosis of relationship and interaction taking place between the atmosphere and the bird and the fish in the water so it's not just it's not just the might of the bird that propels it through the air it's that symbiotic relationship and the same for the fish it's not the might of the fish that propels it up the waterfall. It's a symbiotic relationship of, of energies and forces working together to propel the fish up the 15, 20-meter waterfall. So, um, yeah, Victor basically got downloaded with the workings of Mother Nature uh, in these meditations where he would just gaze into the river for long periods of time. And he was able to bring bring that information back into this world and extrapolate it and apply it uh, to all kinds of things. He he was uh, a very, very important yet unknown and unacknowledged natural scientist, much like Nikola Tesla, um, Uh Uh and, you know, uh, died, you know, stolen from and... Heartbroken because his vision no. of, of the world. Uh, the other important thing to understand about Victor Schauberger, he was essentially the great-great-grandfather of environmentalism. So he came out of the forest and condemned modern forestry and what was happening in Germany in the, between the 20s and 30s. And that early outspokenness is what prompted the formation of the Green Front or the Green Party. So, uh, you know, much of the seeds of consciousness for our environment were planted by Victor Schauberger early in the, sen- in the last century. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of when I discovered Victor Schauberger, it was, it was huge. It was extremely profound um, because, you know, I started working in the forest as a child, Much of my background is organic farming and forestry. I had already been studying permaculture for a few years, and then I discovered Victor Schauberger, and I was like, wait a second here. Uh, Permaculture, biodynamics, organic farming, they all are missing huge, enormous pieces of information of the formative workings of nature. So we've got to understand, you know, how Mother Earth works, how she worked, how she uh-huh. evolved and grew and matured into the, the primordial state that she once was.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the real way to do that is to be with her and to be in nature like he did and like you did. So I'm yeah. wondering, can water speak to you?
0: Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it turns out that my great-great-grandfather may have actually known and worked with Victor Schauberger. So much of my ancestry That's interesting. is <laughs> – yeah, yeah, much of my ancestry is Austrian. And then I started caretaking 1,500 acres of remote private forest, you know, my summer after eighth grade. And all my summers of high school, I spent caretaking – a huge parcel of private forest that was adjacent to the national park and the wilderness area. So I kind of, <laughs> you know, I was blessed with a parallel life really to, to, to And, um, you know, as a activist, as an environmental activist, which happened before I discovered Shawberger, I, I knew intuitively what was happening in the forest was wrong, both from uh, a soul level and from, hands on working in the forest and witnessing what was happening uh-huh. but I didn't I didn't have the the more scientific the natural sciences to understand um, why removing an ancient forest from the surface of the earth was so detrimental and and many of the activists of that time didn't either but their heart told them that it was wrong so it was a huge aha uh-huh moment for me to d- discover Schauberger And know, Mm -hmm. and learn, and learn on a, a natural science level why an ancient forest is so important to the overall health of the planet, its interconnectedness to the weather patterns, the atmosphere, and most importantly, the flow of fresh water on the surface of the Earth.
2: Exactly, and we've lost our connection. To nature. We have, Absolutely. and the trees are, you know, the trees. There's water moving all the time, and they talk to one another. They network with one another, and they do so they much did. for us. <laughs> they and, did. And we, they
0: used to. The trees that we have on the surface of the earth now are very, very, very different than the ones that were there hundreds of years ago. Uh, and that's that an makes important. Me well, it's the, the reality. You know, it's going to take hundreds, if not thousands of years for the earth to regain her health. And I, I love, you know, for people to, to contextualize their personal health in relationship to the health of the planet. And it's no surprise that people are so sickly, uh, you know, cancer is what it is when you look at the health of the planet.
2: Right. Right. So how does your I I know you've researched this and you've come up with a filtration system um that will help to structure the water and clean the water. How how does that filtration system work?
0: Sure. It it works very similar to what happens inside the earth. Uh Victor was uh brilliant in discerning the different types of natural water that occur here on earth you've got rainwater, you've got ocean water you have lake water you have river water and then you have different types of springs and he separated them by what is a, a true spring and what is a seepage spring and they're very different a seepage spring only goes so far into the earth and it hits a rocky, layer, a rocky layer, and then comes back to the surface again. Whereas a true spring comes from very deep in the earth. It, it, it's water that has been in contact with the molten layers, the warmer layers, where it's reborn, um, not to get spiritual or religious, <laughs> not to get religious, but it's, it's, that's where water is birthed, um, in that mm-hmm. contact with the molten layers, deep inside the earth so it's it's a, a young it's a hungry it's a juvenile water in the process of coming back to the surface of the earth through all the different stones crystals minerals it's ripened and matured in that journey back through all that strata to the surface of the earth so that's the cycle of a true spring from from rain Penetrating deep, 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 deep in the earth to the multilayers layers where it's completely reborn and purified, and then coming back to the surface again where it emerges in an ancient forest or where it used to emerge in an ancient forest. So, you know, by removing those ancient forests, man also removed the true springs. So, the amount of fresh water circulating on the surface of the earth has been lost in ratio to the loss of ancient forest on the surface of the earth. So, um, getting back to your question, Joan, how do I do that? You know, I copy Mother Nature, so we, we you've got to take your tap water and completely purifying it. Filtering is not enough. Uh, it must be completely purified and born into a juvenile hungry state and um, working in the water technology industry I've been on a quest to find the, the finest water purification system available in the world the most advanced technology so that's the first part you know your tap water your well water whatever it has to go through this piece of equipment that purifies the water into a laboratory-grade purity. And um, it's it's completely pure. The manufacturer of this piece of equipment, what he mostly does is laboratories. So he's created a model that is for home use, that goes under your kitchen sink and takes your tap water and turns it into a laboratory-grade purity. I work with another inventor and manufacturer that has a piece of equipment that runs the water through special minerals, stones, and crystals. So that piece of equipment mimics and copies the process of the water traveling from the deep of the earth to the surface of the earth, where it's matured and ripened into a true spring water quality. So um, that's that's what I'm doing. It's 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 not rocket science. It's um, it's looking at what Mother Nature used to do, still does in a few places but not many and and copying that and that was Victor's motto was to first comprehend mother nature and then copy her and never thinking that we can outdo her or do better or that we need to do better we just need to simply copy mother mother earth
2: uh-huh. Carly talks about using light and sound to structure mm-hmm. water to in- do you use that, and does that is that part of the technology that you use?
0: It is. It, it's a piece of, of what I do. Um, it's it's a vibrational technology. So yes, sound is is vibration. So right. crystals, fields of energy um, on a, a vibrational level, or an electromagnetic level, or an auric level are. Water is being conditioned, informed, harmful information is being erased, and water is being charged and entrained with life-giving frequencies. So that's that's kind of really what it's about. You know, our bodies um, not only need to be fed on a nutrient level, they also need to be fed on an energetic level or an auric level as well. So are the foods and beverages that we're eating, are they charged and full of bioelectric information that feeds us on that level? Or are they laced with harmful information that our body is having to exert energy to digest? You know, that's that's kind of pretty much where we're at. So, you know, know, we're societies and people who... um, have lost a touch with those basic fundamental things that were once prevalent everywhere on earth and that we got just because, you know, we gathered food and we gathered our water from special springs that we had been gathering for thousands of years knowing that that water was going to feed us in a way that other waters wouldn't.
2: So, Nevin, what makes the water system that you use different from others?
0: First and foremost is the degree of purity that the system is able to create. Um, It's a laboratory-grade purity, so that means physically every contaminant has been removed from that water. So, as Carly was touching on before. Our tap water is not to be trusted. The water that you buy from a dispensing machine at the supermarket is not to be trusted. Brita filters are not to be trusted. The filter on your refrigerator is not to be trusted. It's it's yeah you know it's kind of like the whole medical marijuana thing is we've lost the ability to have sovereignty for our personal health. So it, the, the wonderful thing about the whole medical marijuana thing is it's giving people back their control over their personal health and it's the same thing with what i'm doing with water it's it's enabling people to to reset their personal health and regain sovereignty on that level for their personal health
2: and how can they get in get this equipment do you install this equipment for them do you just send it to them do you give them instructions can they use it in their home yeah
0: absolutely of course yeah all of that all of that uh equipment can be ordered from me um it'll either be installed by me or a certified plumber or a handyman a lot of my clients are do-it-yourselfers and they like to do it themselves Uh, it's very simple it's not a complicated process at all
2: and they can find that information on your website, com?
0: They sure can. Really, uh, the information that's on my website is limited. Um, if they would like detailed information, including cost, maintenance cost, email me, and I'll email them that information. Or call now, me. What's your call email? Me email. Do it. My email is nevin, like Kevin, N-E-V-I-N, at truest T R U E S T Spring dot com. Okay, great.
2: Thank you, Nevin. You know, as you're speaking, um I've been wanting to have a guest come on talk to talk about permaculture and organic farming and forestry and all that. I'd love to have you come I'd on and to. talk about that. All right, wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, let me bring Carly back on too and I have one question and maybe both of you would like to give an answer to this one Uh, are you there Carly just want to make sure you can hear me
1: I sure am Joan
2: okay great so this came from your book so I'm gonna I I think this is a great way to to tie everything together and end the show how is water the image of the creator
1: oh that's such a beautiful question (laughs) So, you have now really touched down to my heart of hearts, um, which is the relationship between uh, water and divinity. So, uh, how does water reflect the image of God? Water, when we look at its physiochemical properties, uh, I'm sorry, its cosmic cosmic properties, beyond its physiochemical properties. Uh, We see something that is responsive. We see something that structures like a mirror, the information that's present around it, particularly consciousness. And so as we see throughout antiquity and all of the scriptures through every uh, religion and belief system uh, of note throughout the world, throughout time, irrespective of place and and distance and and time in our history we see that water has always been connected back to god god will will say throughout you know his his various different cultures and beliefs of understanding different religions of understanding um, that god is the wellspring of all life it is the river that that flows forever it is uh in the water um lies the uh lies the face of God surveying men's truth and men's lies um, I believe that's from the Bhagavad Gita so wow. we see that um, because water is able to store information water is able to reflect information, water serves as that, that link between the mind, body and spirit um, that is for me that is the, the force of God in the world that is the force of God in, in our world, the way that God is endowed in every li- living thing, the way that, um, that that God can be experienced through every living thing, through different ways and different forms. Um, that's, that's the water that's in all living things uh, that, that holds that... Power of creation that holds that power of possibility, that holds that space for co creation, that holds that space for karma and the law of attraction and these uh, these these physics of experience and, and the physics of, of our reality beyond just um, the physics of our science, but really the physics of our world. Uh, which is those biology beliefs, those laws of attractions, those uh, laws of karma and those understandings of co-creation. And I find that water is the most amazing medium to carry that spirit of God throughout all living things.
2: That is beautiful. So,
1: Nevin, do you have an answer for that
2: one? What do you think? You know, uh,
0: I do. I, I, Carly, you know what she offered is is very much so. Um, my feeling about the subject, and and what I'll I'll just add to what what she had to say. You know, God is the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine, the explosive and the implosive. Okay, and where we're experiencing the short-circuiting of our inherent spiritual potential is we've gotten uh, yeah, we've gotten coerced manipulated into a world that is focused all on the masculine energies and the explosive forces Okay, so there's that downward spiral. Whereas the God essence, the Spirit essence, is holds the masculine, and feminine, the explosive, and the implosive in a in a balanced state. So um, water, it, it's it's gonna find its balance <laughs> one way or another. It it, uh-huh. it will. Um, whether humanity will or not, that that remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I I think I think I'll leave it at that, Joan.
2: Uh, yeah, a lot of us tend to think of water as feminine, and yet water is very. It's interesting because uh, it's almost like it doesn't need to do any work. Uh, it, it is the work. In other words, as it's falling and it works on the rocks and it and it erodes the rocks or it erodes the land and it does create its own its own path and its own channel, and it just happens because that's that's water that's what it does um so it does yeah. have that that power behind it, but it's not it's it's controlled it's balanced as you said it's the balance of both, and I think that's beautiful,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I,
2: uh, both. I Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I just wanted to say I, I, I get, um, triggered a little bit because nowadays people are really misusing the word implosion. Implosion should never be uh, related to or contextualized as a negative form of energy. It's it's the positive. It's the feminine it's the life building energy. So I just, I needed to throw that in.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you both. I, I, this was, this was wonderful really. And, uh, I encourage everyone to, you know, check out water codes by Dr. Carley and Nevin go to his website, truest And, uh, and email him at nevin at com. Get the information and get yourself healthy. So on next week's show, we have author Tisha Nixon, who is going to be talking about a very timely subject. Um, her book is about her experience as a sex slave, and she's going to talk about forgiveness. So with all the stuff happening and uh with the Epstein, now has on this day supposedly committed suicide in his jail cell, and all the energy around that, um, I'm sure we will have enough a number of viewers uh, or excuse me listeners for that day. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you to everyone. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Take care and much love. to you.